0: Why did the artist think the paintbrush could swim? I don't know why. Because she heard that it's great at
1: strokes. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for the Children's
2: Hour. Kids Public Radio.
3: Well, 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 look who's here. I haven't seen you in many a year. If I knew you were coming, I'd bake the cake. Baked a cake, baked a cake If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake How'd you do? How'd you do? How'd you do? Had you dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band Grandest band in the land Had you dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band I'd spread the welcome mat for you Now I don't know where you came from Cause I don't know where you've been But it really doesn't matter Grab a chair and fill your platter and tick tick, tick. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Hired a band. Goodness sake! Babe. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. How'd you do? How'd you do? How'd you do? How'd you do? coming out of baked a cake, baked a cake, baked a cake. If I knew you were coming out of baked a cake, how'd you do? How'd you do? How'd you do? Had you dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band, grandest band in the land. Had you dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band, I spread the welcome app. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Hired a band. For goodness sake, if I knew you were coming I'd have baked the cake. Had to do, had to do, had to do. Had to do, had to do, had to do. Had to do, had to do, do.
4: That was Lisa Loeb in the Hollow Trees with the 1950 hit. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. This is the Children's Hour and I'm Katie Stone. Today on the show, we're taking you with us on a Children's Hour Kids Crew field trip to Santa Fe, New Mexico on the Railrunner. That's our train that runs between central New Mexico, where Albuquerque is and where we live, north to Santa Fe, our state capital. Every summer, the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market brings in folk artisans from around the world to showcase and sell their art. Their art includes paintings, sculptures, baskets, tapestries, rugs, instruments, furniture, toys, household goods, and so much more. Each piece is unique and each is considered folk art. Since 2004, when the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market began, artists have earned more than $31 million at the market, money that further impacts and helps more than a million people. We want to know more about the artists and unpack what folk art is. So we started by talking with Leslie Fagri. She's the director of education at the Santa Fe International Folk Art Museum. And we started by asking our kids crew how they define art.
5: Well, I think art has a lot of different definitions depending on who you ask. But I think it's creating something beautiful or something that is meaningful to you.
0: To me, art is really anything that you find beauty in so it can be playing an instrument or painting a picture or making
6: a sculpture um i think all nature is art to me um it forms a ginormous picture of something little for some other people
4: yeah i think that's a beautiful thought that art is nature. But Leslie, when you're talking about folk art, you mean something very different, don't you?
6: I do. I mean, yes and no, because folk art is all of those things in a way, and it expresses all of those things. But folk art really came from a tradition coming from a community expression, um, and also from people who couldn't go to art school or maybe didn't have special art materials at home. So in a way they looked right around themselves and maybe in their backyard is clay near- nearby or is there wood nearby or I have to make a sweater to stay warm in the winter but I want to make it beautiful. So a lot of folk art is very everyday ordinary things that we want to make beautiful. People made baskets and they thought oh they're kind of You know we want to make them recognizable they come from our community and they're special so let's just use these two colors and make a special design in it so when someone looks at that basket they know it comes from our village or our community and it's beautiful but it also carries things for us could folk art be handmade well that's another really good question it's actually something we talk a lot about at our museum because We used to think of folk art as always having to be handmade. And it would be whether you knit a sweater or make a basket or make a mud painting, like some places in Africa, then they actually paint with mud. It's there and it makes beautiful designs and decorations. But um, sometimes now, for example, a lot of the materials we use, they might be plastic or they might be synthetic things. And some people think that, you know, some part of it can be handmade, but some part of it can maybe be machine-made. So it's not quite as clear anymore.
4: So folk art is an artistic expression of culture, often using heritage or generational artistic traditions and materials that people have on hand. There are a lot of photos and examples of the folk art we saw posted at this episode page, where you'll also find a learn along guide to explore folk art even more. Our learn along guides meet and cite national education standards so they can be used in the classroom. And now they're online and digital. You don't need to print them. When we come back, we'll be on the train to Santa Fe with Joe, Thorfinn, and Addie from our kids crew, going to the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market where we're going to learn more about folk art from the artists themselves. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and this is Tom Knight from the Classroom Boogie.
7: If you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing. You've got the power to create anything that you feel. Let your spirit shine through. And I believe, I believe in you. It's not about who's smartest or if you're a girl or guy Everybody is an artist, all you have to do is try From the little bitty baby to the oldest living man If you are human you can, you can, you can If you can walk, you can dance, if you can talk, you
1: can sing
7: You've got the power to create anything that you feel Let your spirit shine through and I
1: believe,
7: I believe in you. With a pen and paper, you can draw a lot of lines. With some paint or crayons, you can make a nice design. You can build it out of wood or make it out of clay. You can do it now, today, today, today. If you can walk, you can dance. if you can talk, you
1: can sing,
7: you've got power to create anything that you feel let your spirit shine through shine through, shine through, shine through. through. and i believe Has a story that is true, no one else can tell it. There is only you. Everyone has music in the beating of their heart. You gotta let it out. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard. If you can walk, you can dance, if you can talk, you can
1: sing.
7: You've got the power to create anything that you feel. Let your spirit shine through.
0: folk art is and also learn a bit about it I want to find out what the difference between art and folk art are and what are some of the stories behind some of the folk art people create Uh, I also want to learn what folk art is I have never really heard of it before and I'm really excited to meet new people and talk to them about like their careers
4: This is the Children's Hour. We're on the rail runner with some of our crew going up to the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market. It's the largest folk art market in the world and generates more money for the artists than any other folk art market anywhere. We're excited on the way to the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market.
8: I think folk art is something that a tradition that can go back from 200 years behind. And is
9: it purple?
8: It's all
5: made by hand, and it's generally something you learned from your parents or an elder in your community. It's a knowledge that's passed down the generations.
10: I am a second generation artist. My father was an artist.
2: I learned, I started learning when I was uh, eight years
11: old from my mother. Mm, I'm that fourth generation. He has been practicing this art from his childhood, and his father inspired him to come in these techniques.
5: You're seeing culture, you know, every place has a different environment, different materials that are available to them, different things to make their art out of.
0: I'm seeing a bunch of booths with many different types of folk art.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm passing one with a bunch of jewelry. Right now I am seeing many different textiles of fabric and they all look quite beautiful.
8: My name is Gasali Adiyemu, and I'm from Nigeria, southwest of Nigeria. And I'm a textile artist. I work with natural dye called Indigo. Indigo is a very powerful color in my country.
0: Your art has lots of designs in it. How do you make it?
8: Um, the technique you see right here on the table, I have a traditional Yoruba tie-dye, and I have some of them called adire, which is from tapioca cassava. And also the one you see with the colorful also is batik.
0: Cool. Thank you very much.
8: You're welcome.
0: This booth at the folk market I'm stopping at is full of very beautiful, super colorful clothes with all kinds of different patterns. We're going to talk to the person in the stand who makes them.
10: Yes, my name is Abdullah Khatri. I'm from Gujarat. This craft is actually our community tradition. Basically, we are dyers in our community. So we do this Bani craft since around um, 400, 450 years ago. Me and my brother, we started again in my family. So we learned this technique from our friends and family, other relatives. So that's the way we started. We learned this technique and we think, why don't we do this as our life livelihood?
0: How do you make this?
10: We are mostly working on two techniques. One is Bandhani. Bandhani means to tie and dye. But it started from the tracing design on the fabric first, and then we follow that uh, design, and then we tie it, and then we dye it.
4: You just heard from multiple artists that we spoke with at the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market. There were more than 162 artists from 52 countries. One of the voices you heard was Jean Crawford. She's a volunteer at the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market's musical stage. Not only does the market have artisans, it also has music from around the world. This is the Children's Hour where we're learning about folk art. Remember, the episode comes with a learn-along guide. It's digital. Find it at childrenshour.org. Look for this episode, Folk Art. Up next, this is Friend of the Children's Hour. Falou!
0: She tucked the juicy jasmine in my hair, it
2: smelled so sweet in the air! Pick a yummy fruit, any flavor, these are from India.
0: Pretty flower, any these, are
2: these are from India. These are from India. These are from India.
4: You're listening to the Children's Hour. I'm Katie Stone. And in the background, it's Poddington Bear. Today on the Children's Hour, we're learning about folk art. Is there a folk art in your family? We want to know more. Reach out to us at childrenshour.org and click on the contact link. Tell us about your family's folk art. Remember, this episode comes with a learn-along guide. It meets and cites educational standards. Find it at childrenshour.org. Look for folk art. Lots more coming up. Stick with us.
9: You're listening to The Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back.
4: The Children's Hour is produced by The Children's Hour Incorporated. We're a New Mexico-based nonprofit organization. This episode of the Children's Hour is supported in part by an award from New Mexico Arts, a division of the Department of Cultural Affairs, and by the National Endowment for the Arts. The New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs supports the Children's Hour. Learn more about New Mexico's statewide seasonal events at newmexicoculture.org traditions.
1: Ships the fabric and family's the thread. And faith is the ragged right, old you know, quilt on your bed. And fairness is the pattern we're trying to rebuild. And forgiveness is knowing we're learning
6: to sew our own. I was once a wolf and then got found in your family. I know my granny had faith I asked because she'll handle me. Copy me at yeah, 60. Yeah, that was a gamble. Yeah, but you seen we always had ample eats. Her love used to cover me just like a canopy. She was my guiding light just like a canopy. Took me in at the night, then come back just to glance at me. Her bed paid off, I'm so glad she took a chance on me. My mom made it sit because you chose to plan a scene. i forgive you when you met me with them pants and please. Now I mean Grammys on red carpet's where the cameras be. Ask out for touch, yeah, son, you would have had to see. You would have been proud of me. I know you never doubted me. Never harsh, hardly ever chose to shout at me. Didn't matter though, cause I didn't listen, but it's still you still some me love and forgiveness. Now I get it. I dedicate this on to Pearlie She's no longer here, she lives on through.
4: That was The Quilt by Saul Paul featuring Red Yarn from a release called Be the Change. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and today on the show, we're exploring folk art. Our kids crew went to the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market this summer, where we're learning what folk art is all about from the artisans themselves. Let's join Joe at the stage. We're listening to some singers from Croatia
0: who are up on the stage right now. So another one of the booths has an assortment of pots in all different shapes and sizes.
12: My name is Ngamsi Lenala. I'm from South Africa in a place called KwaZulu Natal, and I'm from the Zulu tribe.
0: When did you start making this art?
12: I started when I was, I think, 26, but I never really got into it until last year. That's when I started to make serious pottery, and I was in it.
0: How do you make it with all the designs and stuff?
12: Okay, so the first thing is to dig clay from a clay mine, it's called red clay, and then we sift the clay after we've grinded it into a powdery texture, and then we take the, the, the stones out, and then we soak it in water overnight, and then we knead it like you would with flour when you're making bread, and then we start making coils, and then we coil the pot until it's complete, and then we shape it, and then after it's dry enough to handle, we take a sharp instrument and then we start making incisions on the pot, drawing patterns, and then after that, we throw it in the fire, straight into the fire, and then it comes out, and then we put shoe polish on it to make it shine. Can you
0: tell me the stories behind some of the pots?
12: Okay, the designs on the pots have some meaning, like these, for instance, the little bumps. These are called amasumba, and these were used to calculate a person's wealth. So everything he had would be a dot. If he had a cow, that would be one dot. If he had two wives, that would be two dots and so forth. Wow,
0: what are the meanings of all the triangles?
12: Mm, The triangles are for decorative purposes to make the part look more pretty and also to help you carry the pot so it doesn't slip out of your hand.
11: Can you tell me your name? Maya. Can you tell me what type of art you do? So we are bringing this uh, basketry story from the birthplace of Buddha. So these women have been doing this basketry work since generations, but they are not being able to take this out of their... Houses and all. So, we are trying to reimagine the objects that we see around with the objects that they have been weaving since like generations. I'll show you some of the like patterns. For example, these you could see like step like patterns and all. So, here we are like dreaming of uh, the Buddha's story of from his birth to the enlightenment period. So, we call this journey baskets. The women we are working with used to weave these big wedding baskets and the bride used to take this as a dowry and then to store their valuables like clothes or ornaments and things like that and then hung on the wall. So these are the stories that we are carrying from our community and bringing in here in Santa Fe for the first time. That is awesome. So how long does it take to make like one of these? So it depends on the like designs or uh, motifs and you know, so since these are the traditional coiling method, we call it, it takes like hours and hours to make the basket. For example, it, it takes one like of this small size takes 10 days to complete the bigger ones. It would take like from 10 days to a year. Now we are trying to link the, this culture with the income generation thing. So this is more like empowering them financially also. How else do you get empowers like women? They have been weaving this unconsciously for their like you know household utilities and things but using those their own you know inherited skills now they are being able to make money out of this Mm. with the same skill and with the same material with the same like their imagination so that makes uh, them like feel empowered while also retaining their culture yeah that is so awesome thank you so much i love how like each piece has like a story behind yeah, it—that is so cool. These, um, yeah, as I said, these are not the only the like you know baskets, but each of them carry my community stories and then my like country stories and then yeah.
4: So folk art can provide opportunities to earn a living in addition to carrying on a community's story through art. Baskets that take a year to weave, intricately carved bowls. Folk art includes many types of art. Today, on the Children's Hour, we're learning about folk art, and we'll be back at the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market right after this. From Place of Hope, this is a Zulu chant you're listening to the children's hour i'm katie stone and today on the show we're learning about folk art This past July, we sent some of our kids' crew into the Santa Fe International Folk Art Market to meet artisans and find out firsthand what folk art is. Find our learn-along guide for this episode at childrenshour.org, look for folk art. Let's catch up with Joe at the market. Another one of
0: these stands holds tables that have models of these beautiful buildings. They look like almost palaces. But they're very small, they're only like an inch or two high. Let's go and talk to the people inside.
13: Uh, hello, my name is Emilka. I'm from Poland, from Krakow. We have uh, our nativity scene uh, called Szopka. They're inspired by architecture of our uh, city. How do you make them? Uh, we make them with cardboard some wood and aluminium foil my favorite part of uh, shopka i think it's making figures i have my own idea how to do this i use aluminium foil only we have competition in our uh, city in december we show our shopki and commission decide which one is the beauteous one.
0: How long has your family been making them?
13: In my family, uh, it started from my grandfather and he teach my uh, mom and her touch me.
14: (laughs) Uh, Me llamo Claudio Jimenez Quispe, vengo de Peru. Hago el, los retablos ayacuchanos. He's from the upper lands of Perú. Estos retablos de, es de origen español. Llegaron, los, trajeron los españoles la fe cristiana con el nombre de los santeros. Porque en el interior había los santos vírgenes para catequizar a los incas de esa época. De sí. que posteriormente en la época colonial, estos santos se convierten en retablo que se llama San Marcos.
15: So he makes retablos. That was the name given when the Spanish conquistadores came and brought the Catholic faith to Los Incas. Before, they had, of course, their traditional symbols and religion. And this one is called the San Marcos retablo.
14: Y San Marcos tiene dos niveles, de dos pisos. Parte arriba representa los santos, patrones de los ganados, de esa época colonial. Y parte primer piso representa la erranza fiesta de, de los ganados, sí. y ese es San Marcos.
15: And there's two levels of it. The saints are on the top level, and then down below are all of the things of nature that would have been part of the Incan traditional spiritual way.
0: So a lot of the pieces, they're small, uh, they have a lot of these cabinet doors and they open to be seen some of them have religious figures as well as like skeletons and nature fish and then if you go over there's also some masks that are designed and they also have smaller sculptures of like animals Yeah, it's very colorful
14: a partir de 1970, mi padre Florentino Jiménez, que era uno de los grandes maestros en los retablos, a través de él yo aprendí. Él cambió el temática de la historia y tiene monumento en Perú, en parte de la zona de Ayacucho, en el Ministerio de Cultura. Tiene diplomas. Gracias a él yo también me esfuercé a estudiar un poco de arte. Tengo condecoraciones de ser artista por el Congreso de la República del Perú.
15: His father was an internationally famous and recognized retabloista. And he has like awards and a monument to him near Ayacucho, or in the state of Ayacucho. And with that, he luckily got to also do this field and be educated.
0: Well, thank you. De nada. that we pass, there's so many shoes. They're full of colors and patterns.
8: Uh, My name is George Kwameba. I'm originally from Ghana, but we live in Texas now.
0: Your shoes are beautiful. When did you start making them?
8: I started making shoes when I was seven years old, but not as a business, as a way to help my parents. But fast forward, when I came to the U.S. of during 2011, we started making it as a business.
0: How do you make them?
8: Uh, so we make them first by woven the kente. So I have 10, temp- or oh, also no, about 20 people that do the woven. We weave the cotton, and then once we weave it, we cut it, pair with something we call shoe last. It's a mold that based on that mold, I use to form the shoe, and then we sew them together. I think folk art is something that have a tradition to it that can go back from 200 years behind but it can also be renovated with new meanings to it so the kente is a tradition that goes back to thousands of years but the way I make the shoe is a renovation
4: of the kente a reinnovation of a thousand-plus-year-old tradition? Now that sounds like folk art. We're learning about folk art on the Children's Hour, and we have more to come. This is Green Chili Jam Band.
5: Clay to Rita, who bakes it while she hums. But you create your own. It up as he goes along, and Lily gathers rags and weeds, and then she weaves them all together to make her tapestry.
4: hope harris from picasso that's who and so can you and in the background we've got croander lots more on folk art coming right up you're
0: listening to the children's hour kids public radio we'll be right back
4: thanks to the outpost performance space in albuquerque new mexico for hosting the children's hour support for the children's hour is provided by united way of north central new mexico support provided by the city of albuquerque and the urban enhancement trust fund bernalillo county is a proud supporter of the children's hour many thanks to the users at TokenIbis.org who direct funds to the children's hour every week our thanks to the international folk art market in santa fe for letting us come record their artists learn about next year's market at folkartmarket.org my grandma is old fashioned
9: dad says she broke the mold Whatever that means She's got an old gas stove It's like a treasure trove She lights with a match And she's making everything And I mean everything from scratch
4: the Children's Hour. I'm Katie Stone and that was Kathy Fink and Marcy Markser from Dancing in the Kitchen. Today on the show we're learning about folk art. We have with us Armando Ortega. He's an eighth generation weaver from the town of Chimayo, New Mexico. Welcome to the Children's Hour Armando.
16: Thank you. Buenos dias.
4: One of the things we learned on the show today about folk art is that it really has to draw on a legacy, a cultural tradition or a family tradition. Who taught you how to weave, Armando?
16: Uh, My grandfather, Juan Melchiavez Ortega from Chimayo, my dad's father, taught me to weave, I think, when I was 16 or 17 during the Christmas holiday from school. Uh, I think I might have spent a little, come back to school a little bit. I think I spent a month or two up there and learned how to weave.
4: Was he teaching you the patterns and designs that the Ortega family weavings are known for?
16: Yeah, you know, it's all geometrical, diagonals and squares. And uh, I just, I've been reading lately, in the last few years, a lot more about the history of our weaving. Up until the late 1800s, Weaving for us was just for our clothing and to trade for other goods for things you needed. But right before that, in around 1840, just to show you the extent of weaving here, 20,000 blankets were exported from New Mexico to Mexico. But then, as as uh, commerce came, when the trains came to New Mexico, and machine-made blankets and stuff came in and were cheaper the need for weaving lessened and it became more of a tourist thing. And so designs were actually shaped by the tourist demands, color schemes during different periods. Uh, I remember the 40s, my grandfather's blankets from that area were either very deep reds or turquoise blues. And it's a certain era where they were catering to tourist tastes. It did allow the weavers to to still have a market.
4: Could you describe what a Chimayo weaving might look like?
16: I prefer really uh, earth colors, lots of tans and whites, shades of gray. My grandfather was a great colorist. He liked, as he said, I like to make the, the colors sing on the loom. It's a lot of geometric design, you know, uh, Native American blankets, Native American designs on beadwork, on pouches. A good friend of mine, Nazi Kozakowsky, a really great weaver from New Mexico, who ended up moving part of the time to China, weaving out there, and really has shown how all the designs that we do now and i have been doing here really are just a continuation of the same geometric patterns.
4: Do you feel connected to your relatives from long ago through your weaving?
16: Oh, very much. So for the last uh, about 15 years, I put down the wool and I started making rag rugs uh, out of torn cloth, which is also an old tradition from Europe even of recycling your old clothes, whatever towels, whatever textile goods, when they wear out, you tear them into strips and have a weaver uh, make them into a, a rug for your floor. So, I'm making these little uh, Mark floor mats, very durable. The oldest one I have that's been on the floor, some of them are 13, 14 years, and they're still quite sturdy. I have some uh, that a family in Chimayo gave us, the Ortiz family, our cousins. So, through more or less the decade of the 20s, as their clothes and stuff were out, they stuffed all those rags in a bag and then cut them up and gave them to my grandfather, and he wove floor rugs for them and uh, they gave me some in the last few years I have them they're from 30s and they're still very uh, intact and you can tell they had a lot of use, but they're still quite sturdy
4: that's so cool to be touching the clothing that was probably worn by relatives of yours who are long past
16: Katie when my my sister brought me that it's a long like for a long hallway. And she told me that story, that this is what uh, the Ortiz family, our cousins, it's their cloth from the decade of the 20s. They're old stuff, and when I unrolled it, I I, I still, every time I unroll it, I just, I'm just overwhelmed with the the thought that this was clothing to my ancestors, you know. Uh, There's just something very special about that. And that it was made into this durable thing that's uh, quite sturdy still.
4: We're talking with Armando Ortega. He's an 8th generation weaver. His family's out of Chimayo, New Mexico. Armando, if you have the right tools, is weaving pretty straightforward?
16: Weaving's very simple. At least the weaving I know, it's tapestry weaving weaving on a two harness loom. That's our traditional loom. But I've there's looms that have 4, I've seen looms with 6 and 8 harnesses. That's a whole different type of weaving. Um, and that gets kind of mathematical. But yeah, the, the loom is a very simple machine. You know, it requires maintenance. It's gotta be very straight. You gotta have your screws screwed in tight. And as you bang that thing, as you're banging your wool into the blanket, your loom will travel across the floor. So you really have to somehow find a way to nail it down. My grandfathers in Chimayo had beams nailed to the ceiling down on the floor, because uh, it takes a lot of beating while you're weaving. Gramps wove from about the age of 13, I think, till he was 100. He went blind when he was 100, and he was still weaving.
4: Master eighth-generation weaver Armando Ortega, thank you so much for being with us on the Children's Hour today.
16: gracias. Thank you all.
4: Armando's not just a weaver, he's a retired preschool teacher, says hi to all his kids from La Puerta, and he's also a musician. This is his band, Wagogo, right here on the Children's...
17: Saludo, yo. con flauta y e tambor, con flauta y e tambor, con flauta y e tambor, en vida y e tambor, one day, and day, boy.
4: That's Wagogo from Familia y Amor right here on the Children's Hour. And we're out of time, but we've learned a lot about folk art You can learn more and bring the Children's Hour into the classroom. Find our digital learn-along guide that goes with this episode at childrenshour.org. Look for folk art. And there you're also going to see photos of some of the artists and their work that you heard about today on the show and much more. We've got time for just one more. We're going to go out with Jessica Harper from Hey Picasso. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour. We'll catch you next time.
7: There was
9: so much rain today, all you could do was watch. The day just sat there big and wet and grey. The sun appeared and broke things up, and it reminded me of something that my mother used to say. When there was freshness in the air, or when there was a rainbow,
1: she'd say,
5: It's scary
17: shadow on the grass. But when the sun is warm enough, it blooms about a hundred rows.
9: Still
1: with a bird, and something
13: The Children's Hour
2: is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit.
0: Our show was written by Katie Stone with lots of help from all of us on the kids' crew.
2: You
12: can find
7: photos, links, learn-along guides, and more about us at childrenshour.org.
4: This episode had a lot of help from our kids' crew members and their families, including Evan, Joe, Thorfinn, Addie, and Andrew. We had production help from Eli Henley, Gus Tafoya, and our senior producer, Christina Stella. Lorraine Archibald writes our curriculum and provides educational oversight. The Children's Hour received special support to produce this show from New Mexico Arts, a division of the New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs, and from the National Endowment for the Arts, as well as listeners who support our work at childrenshour.org. Thank you. Thanks
0: for listening to the Children's Hour Kids Public Radio.